Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and today we're interviewing Suzanne Cannon of Vet Billing. Oh my God. Wait till you hear the great thing that she created to help every pet owner figure out a way to pay for their veterinary care in emergencies or even not in emergencies. It is mind blowing that every veterinary clinic does not have this. And if they don't, we're going to put the notifications uh, in the show notes so that you can go and request um, your vet to look into providing vet billing. So now let's hear what Suzanne has to say. Hi everyone, Deborah Hamilton, and I'm here with Suzanne Cannon. She is the wonderful co-founder of Vet Billing, which is a way to pay for your veterinary bills in a more holistic way. I'm so excited to have Suzanne on today. Suzanne, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I hope you're glad you're here too. We uh, yes. We don't bite. We have wonderful <laughs> collaborative conversations here, no matter what. Uh, but we always ask one question to kick it off. And that is, why do pets matter to you, Suzanne? Okay. So I was thinking about this a little bit before we actually got on the podcast. Um, for me, I, I think I was just born with this extreme love of animals that was evident when I was really a little kid. Um I was born in suburban Los Angeles, not farmland by any stretch of the imagination. And I was obsessed with horses and dogs from the time that I was little. And I always felt like I kind of had a magical connection with them. And for me, I can't imagine my life without animals in it. They enrich it so much. They um, teach us how to be better humans because they know how to live in the present. Um, they don't make judgments. They are, I read this once in a, in a book actually, um, called Animals as Teachers and Healers, that who can look into the eyes of an animal and not feel the unconditional love of their creator right there? So regardless of what your religious or spiritual beliefs are, I think pets are the one way that we experience unconditional love while we are alive on earth. So for that alone, they matter a great deal. I love the way you put that. I had a similar upbringing from you. I loved animals and loved horses and dogs uh, from the get-go. I know you have still have horses. I had a horse 
But you're absolutely right. When you look in their eyes, when you do something stupid, you know, or maybe you, you know, brush them too hard because you had a bad day at work or whatever, they turn around and look at you in the present moment and go, okay, tell me about it. You know, right. we do. They say, tell me about it and put the brush down. No, <laughs> I'm only kidding. But, um, you know, they really are aware of our energy. They're aware of our moods more so, I think, than we ever mm-hmm. are. Yes, you know, they, they are. Really hold us up to, uh, uh, there's a quote, our um, dogs are not our whole world, but they make our world whole. Yes. Whole. And it's it's really true. Uh, if, if you're not a dog or a cat lover, we understand. And that's okay too. Cause why do pets matter, uh, appreciates everyone. Uh, and we also understand that people who have pets, it's part of their family. It's their companion. It's their family member. Um, and sometimes it's the best confidant, a kid like you and I in the city, uh, would ever have. Yes. Confidant. And the other thing is that I feel around animals is I'm completely unguarded and I'm completely myself. I don't feel quite as safe to be myself around all people, probably because I'm a highly sensitive person. Um, I am an introvert. I'm an introvert who becomes an extrovert when we're talking about topics like animals. But um, but the that complete relaxation and that freedom to be oneself. And and on a personal note, why pets matter to me is it always want family. And I, unfortunately, due to an ectopic pregnancy, I was not able to have children. So therefore, my maternal instincts are expressed through caring for my animals. They are my family, um, you know, so they have fur and tails and, and four legs. So that that's why personal, from a very personal perspective, they, they matter to me. And I think so many people, even who, who have children, feel that I know I do. I feel that my animals um, give me such unconditional love. I love my sons, I have to tell you. However, you know, they have a life. They're busy. There's sometimes yeah. good days and bad days. But like you, my dogs always have good days. Um, my yeah. horse always had a good day unless he bit me. And then it was probably <laughs> because of something he needed to let me know. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, and every time my horse threw me, he threw me in a way that I never got hurt, which was always very interesting to me. He could have skipped it. Uh, however, <laughs> you know, he loved wind and and he would get so excited and then I'd go right over his shoulder. So uh, it was my riding prowess that uh, succeeded my good looks. But I wanted to call, I wanted to have Suzanne on today because she started this wonderful company. Now, all of you know that I help people communicate um, among other people in conflict. So if you're having a disagreement with a co-owner or a breeder or a veterinarian or a neighbor or your spouse, if you're getting divorced, that involves the pet, I help do that. Well, Suzanne created this business called Vet Billing that just absolutely does that. It enables a veterinarian to provide a level of financial possibilities uh, that could help you treat your pet in a way that maybe you didn't think possible. Um, and it does it in a way that's incredibly holistic, where they treat everyone who owns a pet who needs financial assistance in a very respectful way. So Suzanne, start from the beginning, because when I was reading your bio, I said, of course she does this because she has a pastoral background. Um, and then she got into finance. And of course, everybody knows if you talk to your religious you know, advisor, that there's this just 
you know, most of the time, a deep-seated feeling is they're really listening to you. And I think that's probably what you brought to vet billing. Uh, I hope so. I mean, it it vet billing started, as a lot of businesses do, from a personal challenge that I had, which was facing an emergency vet bill of $4,000 at a time in my life when I had become financially unstable due to a divorce. And having had been married to a physician prior to this, I didn't have to have concerns about vet bills. And then suddenly I was in a position in which I did. And I had pet insurance. I had had pet insurance since the mid 1990s when there was only one company. And I remember people laughed at me when I got pet insurance. And I said, oh, go through one surgery for bladder stones and you won't think that I'm so silly. But I had pet insurance, but this was my first confrontation with the fact that the reason that pet insurance isn't terribly practical, in my opinion, is it's a reimbursement model. So I was going to still have to come up with that $4,000 immediately, and I just couldn't. And, you know, when you're in an emergency situation, my dog at that point had pancreatitis, very severe pancreatitis. Um, and of course, it happened on a Saturday because my dog had to get sick on the weekends. And... So she was in the emergency hospital for several days. She wasn't even stable enough to transfer to my regular vet for aftercare for a while. Um, and, and the receptionist at the emergency clinic empathized with me. And she said, listen, she said, don't worry. She said, we have this thing called care credit and you can apply for that. And then you'll be able to pay this off over time. And my knees almost buckled with relief when she said this to me. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Oh my gosh. So... At that time, you actually did the application through the vet. Um, you didn't, we didn't have smartphones, right? This was well over, this was like 15 years ago or more. And so I did the application and she, she goes back in the mysterious back of the office and she comes back and she says, I'm so sorry, but you were declined. And I was, I was shocked. I was completely flabbergasted. I thought, why? why was I declined? I'm like, do I have bad credit? I'm sitting here trying to think, do I even have credit? I mean, I didn't have store credit cards or things like that. What I did not know at the time was that I applied for that credit in my name only. All of my existing credit was connected to my soon-to-be ex-husband. But it didn't, it didn't matter what the reason was. I just felt like, some, like I was on a boat that just capsized. Because now, now what am I going to do? Well, fortunately, I have a wonderful mom who we all share a family of schnauzers together. And my mom helped me pay for that bill and I paid her back over time. But I remember leaving the hospital that day and I, I was so struck. I thought, I know there have to be other pet owners like me who are not financially irresponsible, who are not irresponsible in the care of their pet. I mean, my dog ate WD prescription food and she still got pancreatitis. Um, there have to be other people that are, are in this situation and need something other than care credit to be able to pay for care because I wanted to pay, but I didn't have a way to do it. That was feasible for me that the emergency vet would accept. And I thought, and what do people do if they don't have a mom to turn to or another family member where they can borrow this money? So many years later, 
I met my current life partner and partner in business, Tony Ferrero. And he had a payment processing and accounts receivable management company. And I said to him, you know, his business was really focused on doing recurring payments for things like gyms and schools and studios where you have monthly payments that you do. And I said, you know, I wonder if we could do something with veterinarians and pet owners. Um, and so I started my research and I began by initially just talking to my own circle of friends to find out if they'd ever been in a situation similar to what I experienced. And everyone had a story. Everyone had a story like that. And then I started talking to my own vets about what their experience was of this. And they told me equally heartbreaking stories from the other side. And I realized this is a giant pain point for both parties. And it seems like we, that this pain is something that we could mitigate. There has to be something that can be done to bring these two sides closer. And they're both experiencing all of this frustration and distress. Is there something we can do? And that's kind of how vet billing, that's literally is how vet billing was born. I, I love that story because it always is um, out of necessity. You think of something that will help you and then will help others. Because I, I love when you leave a situation and you solve it um, and you're able to move forward. But clearly there are other people who have that same issue who may not have a mother, a brother, a friend, whatever, who can mm -hmm. help take that next step. So you created this business vet billing and we'll put everything in the show notes uh, so people can learn more. But this, this um, company that assists people in sort of making a payment plan yes. and you administer it for the vet. I think that's mm -hmm. how it works, correct? It is how it works. Yes. What we do is we enable to the, the veterinary clinic to extend the credit to the pet owner, but instead of them managing the payments, mailing invoices, reminding themselves to run someone's credit card once a month, which are not very good ways of getting good payment compliance. Not really because pet owners don't intend to pay, but because it's just too easy for things to slip through the cracks and it's a huge administrative burden for vet clinics. So we do all of it. Everything is standardized. Payments are automatically drafted. So it's not like, oh, we're mailing an invoice or emailing an invoice and leaving too much control in the hands of the pet owner about when they're going to pay that. That payment is just going to automatically come out. If we encounter a difficulty, if that payment fails, if failed transaction, then we immediately intervene in correcting that. So, and so many times payment failures are simply due to something stupid, <laughs> like they got a, a new card and it has a new expiration date. And we actually have our, our own internal software that goes out and looks for those changes ahead of time and corrects it before the payment fails. Those are tools that veterinarians don't have access to themselves. And don't have time to do, even if they have, right. you know, they're, right. they've got so much to do and, and being able to pay probably a small fee for you to do this for them so they can collect the larger fee is so mm -hmm. small. It's a very small fee. I have to say <laughs> we are very inexpensive. It is a monthly subscription to access our payment management platform 
which is where we teach them how to complete the contract. It's all electronic. So they're clicking submit, the contract comes to us, and then it's in our hands. Yeah. And um, so it, it's it's a very nominal fee. And like I said, it's we so have- It's so much better than, than um, taking on that credit uh, and not having anyone hold your hand to make sure that you're making those payments from the pet owner's point of view, right? Because, yes. you know, here you have this huge number that's on your, your credit card. Um, it's, it's so much better to just have those payments coming in monthly in, instead of the $4,000 up front. Is that, is that right? Yes, that's correct. So what it's doing for the pet owner is allowing them to take an enormous expense and break it down into smaller chunks over time, which is much more palatable for all of us, not just pet owners. Because when you think about that, that total invoice as a percentage of someone's monthly income, that it could be 36% of their monthly income or 40 or 50. But if you break it into payments, that might reduce it to 6% of their monthly income. And that's a much easier number to deal with than that huge amount up front. And that huge number creates a psychological barrier. So an interesting thing that we have found in case studies we've done with some of our partner practices is that simply presenting payment options to clients reduces the psychological barriers enough that they will say yes to a service that they had been saying no to previously. And the, the best example I have is for dentals. Um, dentals are often viewed by pet owners as something optional. They, exotic. They're exotic. The dog should chew a bone. Yes. And they're costly and their pet has to go under anesthesia. And those are probably the two, the two big objections there. That makes it easier for pet owners to want to put off that service. Put it off, put it off. So what one of our partner clinics found was that every time they printed an estimate for a dental, they also printed a chart of all of their different financing options, including vet billing. And it showed them how much it would cost them per month if they did a three-month plan, a six-month, a nine-month, or a 12-month. 12-month was reserved for things like oral surgeries and extractions that got really costly. If they said... Their dental compliance went up by 30% in six months, and most people didn't even opt into a payment plan because it removed the psychological barrier about the price. And they had a choice. They felt like they had a choice and they could choose. And in the end, most of them chose to go ahead and pay it in full anyway. So I think that's just such powerful testimony for why you do want to educate your clients that there are ways to pay for veterinary care other than in full and upfront and at the time of service. That is such an off-putting policy to so many pet owners because it scares them. It's not even because they have an issue with your prices or they don't understand the value of what they're getting. They do. It's simply because being able to pay a large amount upfront is so difficult for so many people. And and it's such an emotional thing for yes. pet owners because 
often the largest numbers are emergencies, like you said, which created the impetus to create vet billing, right? Mm -hmm. yes. that, that very expensive emergencies. You have German schnauzers who get pancreatitis. I get I have Irish setters who bloat, which is mm. a lovely, costly surgery. Yes. Uh, and it's life threatening. If you don't do it, you you it's it's um was it it's economic euthanasia because you afford the surgery and then the follow-up care which is just as important because of the cardiac complications that come after the surgery from bloat so you're creating or you've created since 2013 so you're 10 years in almost mm -hmm. this process whereby people can actually bite off small pieces of the apple so they can enjoy the apple or their pet can enjoy the apple and they don't have to eat it all at once. They don't have to choke on it by swallowing it whole. Yes. This would be huge for the reduction in um, people making choices they might not want to make because they can't afford it. If they can break it into pieces where they're paying, let's just say $100 a month versus $1,000 upfront. Um, you know, if you're paying a hundred dollars a month, you can spread it over 10 months or 12 months and there's probably interest and everything else. However, it's so much more palatable because I just won't, you know, buy lunch. I'll pack my lunch every day. Yeah. I'll cover the money that I'm going to pay to, yes. at the end. you know, it's a choice you can make. You can think about it in real terms, not like, oh my God. And most of the credit that is extended before vet billing came was, uh, pay it up front. You're what, um, a year interest free if you pay it or, and then, but then six, you have six months or 12 months. Yes. The most well-known financing tool that veterinarians offer is care credit. Um, a, a kind of newer one that's been around since 2016 is scratch pay. They're really similar models. And, and this, what I had to study and learn about in developing vet billing. First, I needed to understand why was I declined for care credit all those years ago? And in the absence of having bad credit, why did that happen to me? You had no credit. I Right. I, I was what I now know is a term called credit invisible. Yeah. And credit invisible just means that I hadn't didn't have any established credit in my own name, which I'm a little embarrassed to say because by then I was in my 40s, but it wasn't something that I... I really thought about a lot of and, women never think of that because they don't take the car out in their own name and make the payments or they don't have the uh, credit card in their own. Right. Name. Yep. Yep. Right. So if your credit invisible, you're going to be declined for an option like care credit or scratch pay. Yet the prevailing belief among veterinary staff, and, and of course it would be because they don't have time to learn about this is if you're declined for care credit or scratch pay, you must be financially irresponsible. You're a bad risk because clearly you have not paid your bills. But I have a blog post about this on our website, which is called Excellent Credit, but decline excellent credit score declined for credit. Yes, it happens to your veterinary clients because it does. You I'd love for you to share that so we can put that in the podcast sure. link because yeah. Because it is so important to understand the difference and not to be biased that if, you know, it's sort of like when your credit card is declined at the supermarket and you get so embarrassed and it's usually because, like you said, it's expired, you didn't notice. Right. Um, or who knows, there could be a, a myriad of issues. Uh, it could have, somebody could have tried to use it fraudulently and they shut it down and you didn't know it. Mm -hmm. uh, 
it, you know, there are so many issues why it doesn't work. And yet that doesn't help you. And everybody in line is giving you that look, oh, she didn't pay her bill. Right, right. And that's not often the case. Yes, that's sometimes the case. Right. But, um, but even those other, people should be able to take care of their pets. Yes, that that was what we thought, that that people love their pets and just because maybe they don't have access to traditional financing tools, which credit access is horribly unequal in this country. There is a lot of credit inequality. Um, that was the other thing I learned in developing vet billing and understanding you know, what had happened to me. And another common misperception is that, oh, something like care credit is, is, is easy to get. If you're a responsible person, like everybody qualifies for care credit, no. Only about 40% of applicants on average will qualify for care credit. That leaves a lot of people without an option. And, and if a vet is not going to do a payment plan, which I understand why they're resistant to doing that, if they try to self-manage it, it's, it's yeah. usually- yeah. It's an administrative nightmare. So you have created um, an ability for them to provide a payment plan that they don't have to administrate. Exactly. So it so they have somewhere to go. Not only does the pet owner feel helpless in situations like that that are defined by, you know, the financing they're offering, the vet hands tied hands are tied as well because they're like, where where do we go? We don't have any good option. I wanted them to have an option to turn to. I wanted vets to have control over who they want to help. I mean, because this could be a great long-standing client of yours. And for six years, all that you've seen them for is preventive care and vaccine appointments and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden their dog is hit by a car and or gets a devastating diagnosis like diabetes or needs a big surgery for, you know, they need a splenectomy because there's a mass on the spleen and heaven forbid it's hemangiosarcoma or something yep. and these these are suddenly there's confrontation with this large bill now what if that longtime wonderful client is declined for care credit you want to be able to help them but you're afraid of the financial risk that you might be taking what we want to do is reduce that fear and reduce the financial risk by vet billing being the ones that manage those payments and take care of anything that goes wrong. And our goal is keeping people on track with their payments, not trying to go after them after a payment is missed. It's like, how can we support you? How can we keep you on track? What can we do for you? So we and had a conversation about that just before we got on the air about how you handle people who might miss a payment. Tell us a little bit more because a lot of the people who listen to Why Do Pets Matter are pet owners. And the second question, so don't forget that question, um, how do you handle um, having a conversation if they have to miss a payment or did miss a payment? And the second question is, how do pet owners um, educate their veterinarians on vet billing if the veterinarian doesn't have it in place. So first, first is is the question of how do you speak to the client if they're falling behind because they've lost their job, they've lost their house, they're sick, whatever, or yes. just had an emer another right. emergency. Yeah. So our goal um, with our team discussing this is that we wanted to take a different approach to this. So we do 
we do full collection services. We provide full collection services. We follow the, the Fair um, Debt Credit Reporting Act, Fair Credit Reporting Act, and you know, just like a collection agency, but we are not a collection agency. We are a payment management company and professional accounts receivable management, but we have the tools to do collections. But we decided we wanted our approach to be one that's humane. When you think of collection agencies, you don't think anything pleasant. You think of nasty letters and intimidating phone calls and things that are scary. We don't want to be that way. What we want to do is not assume the worst to begin with. We want to assume, hey, this payment was missed. Maybe this person is having a financial difficulty right now. So our communications to them are focused on how can we support you? If you are enduring a setback, please get in touch with us so we can figure out how to work that out with you. So that this way, the vet is still getting paid, but we're trying to accommodate the pet owner. So it's, what is that saying about you catch more flies with honey than vinegar or something? So I think when you show people that you want to be supportive rather than punitive, they're more willing to work with you. And so, you know, our letters indicate that, you know, we don't want them to be afraid to contact us because they're embarrassed about something. Um, so, so that's the position that we take. Now, the other question that you asked was how do pet owners tell their vet about vet billing? Um, we actually have a page on our website, which is real easy. It's vetbilling.com, where you can find a list of participating veterinarians. And you do that by putting in your zip code or your city and state and to see if any vets come up in your area that are partnered with vet billing. If your vet isn't on there, there's a form on that same page that you can fill out to refer your vet to us and you just submit that form through our website and it comes to us. And then we get in touch with the vet. Um, and sometimes they come on board with us from those sort of pet owner referrals. And sometimes they do not. What I will say is we're constantly astonished by the number of pet owner referrals we get on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. It is a huge number. So, I mean, essentially they're generating leads for vet billing of vet clinics that we could partner with. But what's remarkable, remarkable, <laughs> added a syllable there, about this is that huge amount of referrals that come in indicates where the market is with pet owners of how great the desire is for pet owners to have an option like this. And yet, we still are only in about 2% of veterinary clinics in the United States. Sort of like the insurance uh, for uh, pets. They, yes. they have the ability to understand the benefits of insurance because as you said, most insurance except for Trupanion, and correct me if I'm wrong, are prepaid reimbursement model. Correct. As opposed to Trupanion, which created a model that they're not necessarily willing to share, which I understand they patented, which doesn't help the pet owner. And I'll say that out loud, Trupanion, I know that a number of people who work for them and, and I wish they would uh, live in abundance and not in scarcity, just the way I am, yes. um, that they would share that so that more pet owners um, could get insurance. Um, it's 
It's so important. And if they don't want to get insurance, there's arguments, and I'm sure you've heard them all, um, why insurance isn't the best thing to get, that it's better to get, you know, sort of um, the ability to access maybe vet billing or mm -hmm. care credit or um, even a Christmas club kind of situation where mm -hmm. you pay your veterinarian. And do you work with veterinarians on this? Um, we do. We actually, they they can set up pet savings accounts for their clients through vet billing. So that is exactly like a Christmas club. And so what happens is um, they the pet owner decides on a contribution amount that they want to make monthly or biweekly that's going to be just dedicated to veterinary care either services or products at their vet. And um, so we take care of managing that for the vet. And then that money is available for them to use at any time. They can let it sit there and accumulate um, or they can, you know, spend it as they go. The, the clinics that offer pet savings accounts often say that the clients that use them are what they call their frequent flyers. <laughs> you know, the ones maybe it's a multi-pet household or they see them a lot or something like that. They're the ones that really understand the value of having money set aside in a dedicated account for pet care. Well, specifically veterinary related pet care. Because even if you have a savings account that you set up yourself, it's too easy and too tempting to invade it. To, to invade it. Or you have another emergency, like right before something goes wrong with your pet, your transmission went out in your car. And now that that savings account went to that. So this way, this money is already at your bed. Um, and and let, let me ask you two questions that are burning in my brain, which probably yeah. would be burning in yours as well. So first of all, the one thing I hate about uh, pet insurance is that when that pet passes away, all the money you've paid um, goes away. Uh, you don't get any coverage for the next pet. It's not grandfather. Yeah. Um, if the, if you die and the pet goes to someone else, sometimes that insurance isn't transferable, even though you've been making the payments for the last 13 years and try to get insurance on a 13 year old dog. Um, and the other one is that, uh, it could be, as you said, a multi-pet house. So it's a, a slush fund, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I sp spend nothing on Spot and Fluffy, uh, but Herbie is like a dermatological nightmare. And so <laughs> I'm using most of the funds. Mm -hmm. from there isn't, and there's no, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's no limitation on what you can apply it to. You can pay the whole bill for the dermatology to just keep the money safe in case somebody, God forbid, as you said, gets hit by a car. Um, or you can pay part of it and then take right. part of your savings. Uh, but it's much more flexible than the insurance coverage that that sort of puts you in baskets. That's true. The other thing that's more flexible than are wellness plans, because with a pet savings account, it's not tied to particular services that you're getting throughout the year, which makes it easier for vets because they don't have to track the usage of any services at all. And this money can be used for whatever the pet owner wants and depending on what the vet clinic wants to make it available for. Like, let's say that clinic also offers boarding and grooming. If they wanna use their pet savings account money towards that, those services there, they can. Or if they want to reserve, if they need prescription food, um, and you they want to buy it from their vet or through their vet, heartworm medication. Um, also, speaking of that, we have some clinics that do payment plans to encourage 
clients to buy a year's worth of heartworm meds because that's expensive. But if they can pay it off over time, you know, and then they know they're going to be more compliant with giving those meds to their pet. And you get a discount if you buy a year's worth or six months worth, the company right. that provides you with whatever heart medication or flea medication you're using usually gives you a, a discount to 25 bucks or 50 bucks or something. Right. So even though it's a huge number up front to buy six or 12 months worth of it, if you can do it in a payment plan like vet billing, then it's actually less expensive because you're not paying every month. Right. That's correct. So, I mean, I love when, and these are things that like our partner clinics think of doing on their own. When I was working on developing vet billing, I did think about, you know, using it for a year's worth of heartworm meds. Um, another thing I didn't think of that one of our partner clinics do, because we also partner with a lot of nonprofits like SPCAs and humane societies that have vet clinics attached, but they're also dealing with all the other issues related to pet ownership in their community, not just veterinary. So we have a partner um, in a Northeast suburban city where during the pandemic, or when the pandemic relief ended, there was a moratorium placed on evictions during the pandemic. When that was lifted, a lot of pet owning people in that community found themselves without a home. Yeah, And then they found themselves without another place to go to because the, there, what did the woman tell me? She said, this is not a very pet friendly community. So she said, number one, pets are not allowed in a lot of apartments or number two, if they are the pet, the owner has to pay a housing deposit for themselves or a security deposit. Then they have this outrageous pet deposit and they can't afford both of them. So what they started doing was using vet billing to help people pay their pet housing deposit. So the SPCA paid the deposit up front and the pet owner paid them back over time using vet. Wow. I said, you guys get the creativity award. I said, I love that you're using it this way because it is, it's very flexible, however you wanna use it. I just thought that was an ingenious way of keeping people and their pets together, which that is the reason why vet billing exists, honestly. It's keeping pets and their people together. It is reducing, because I'd like to say eliminating economic euthanasia, but we're not, we're not there yet, and reducing owner surrenders that are a result of financial obstacles, financial barriers that are mainly about the owner just not having all that money today but so many owners have that money over time. Suzanne, this has been the most impactful conversation I think I've ever had on Why Do Pets Matter? Because you've created a system where people can actually navigate seriously difficult financial times in a way that shows compassion and empathy and thinking outside the box and creating a way in which you can manage the next steps. You just feel like there's a friend in that mm -hmm. vet office that's gonna figure out a way to allow you to be able to help this pet. Because if you're looking at that big number, all of a sudden, all at once, none of us, I mean, you had the $4,000 bill. Uh, I had a horse who colicked and had a, if I didn't mm -hmm. have the uh, 
what was it? The $10,000 insurance from Panicure, I think it was. Uh, yeah. I would have had to pay $15,000 instead of $5,000. So $5,000 is a lot of money, but knowing that there is a way, and if your vet clinic doesn't have this, please, please, please go to vetbilling.com, fill out the form. Um, and I would suggest, because this is the kind of collaborator and communicator I am, I would run some of the information about vet billing off and bring it to your vet. Because if it comes from you, the pet owner, when vet billing calls, it's not going to be this cold call from somebody to you know, make a sale. No, it's someone who is calling because one of their clients wants the veterinarian to provide this benefit for them and for other patients and clients. So I, I think it's phenomenal, Suzanne. And and I'm so grateful you're here. I'm going to have you on several times yeah. and I'm going to hope that Thank Tony you. will come on too. Yeah, because, yeah. Because this is such an important conversation to have because the payment for veterinary care, like the payment for dental care for humans, is, is just um, so difficult to manage it is because it's it's really it's not a luxury because they're part of our family they're family members but it can be seen as a luxury because you have to feed your kids and you have to have a roof over your head and mm -hmm. what are you going to do but this is going to save so many animals lives and so much um, heartache will be just eliminated because people will be able to make a payment for their pets in a way. So why do pets matter? Because Suzanne Cannon made vet billing um, with Tony Ferrero uh, so that pets matter and you can figure out how to finance that care. Suzanne, thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to have you on again. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, this is Deborah Hamilton and you're listening to Why Do Pets Matter? I hope you kiss your pets for me. And remember, go to vetbilling.com and run that off and see if your vet is listed as one of the participants. And if not, make sure you encourage them to become one. Take care. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcast. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.